0: But uh, what a blessing to serve with you guys and to be a part of your church. I can't believe we're already at Tuesday nights. Week's flown right along, hasn't it? We've been talking a lot about the family. It's a family fall revival. And uh, I hope uh, you're letting God work in your home. I don't know the needs of your life. And I know when you preach in a family conference, a family revival, there's all kinds of needs. And there's every situation. Some are single, some are widowed, some are widowers, some are married, some are not married. Some are raising children, some are done raising children, some are doing real well, and some need a lot of help. And I'm aware of all of those. And I try to every family revival, I try to preach at least one message on marriage. So I'm in Ephesians five tonight, and I'm in verse 31. You teenagers and boys and girls that are in the building, listen well, marriage is probably in your future. And uh, listen well, God's word is just excellent and powerful. And in a world that's making light of marriage, in a world that ridicules marriage, we need to be reminded of what the Bible says. So listen to Ephesians 5 and verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. Ephesians 5, 31. How many of you know where that verse first shows up in the scripture? Where does it first show up, that verse? You know, I know some of you know, say where it is. It's in Genesis Genesis is where we first find this verse and we find it a second time does anybody know where you find it a second time in the Bible this is the third time you find this statement you find it the first time in Genesis in creation with Adam and Eve you find it a second time anybody know just out of curiosity it's in the gospel of Matthew and it's where Jesus is answering questions about divorce they said to Jesus they said You know, Moses permitted us to uh, write a bill of divorcement. What say you? I'm paraphrasing. And Jesus said, well, I got to tell you. He said, from the beginning, have you not read? God made them male and female, married them together. And from the beginning, divorce was not God's plan. That's what he said to them. God never intended a marriage to fall apart. That's not God's plan. Do some of them fall apart? Well, they certainly do. Do some of them bring great sorrow and heartaches and tragedies to life? Yes, they do. But you know, God's plan is that your marriage succeed. How many of y'all are married tonight? Raise your hand good and high if you're married. God's plan is that your marriage succeed. I had a guy say to me a few weeks ago, he said, well, he said, I guess we're going to make it. We've been married 67 years. I said, you guys might as well stay together now. That's a long time, isn't it? I, uh, I, I hope your marriage succeeds as well as theirs did. And uh, I uh, actually had coffee with that couple. And a few months after that, uh, he passed away. And, and since then, I think she's passed away as well. And uh, they were just a great couple, loved the Lord and served the Lord all their life and had a great marriage. And God wants you to have one. And teenagers, you live in a world today that ridicules the idea of being married. They, they laugh at it and, and, and ridicule it and jeer at it. But Marriage is a great thing. Marriage is a wonderful thing. And marriage probably is in your future And so here's what the Bible says. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. How many of you know what one plus one equals? It equals two. But in marriage, it equals one. One plus one equals one. In a marriage, that's not common core. That's good theology. One plus one equals one. They too shall be one flesh. So I want to preach to you tonight. A message that I'm going to simply entitle how can I succeed at marriage how can I succeed at marriage you know the Bible says a lot about marriage did you know that a ton about marriage you got a Bible let I me mean, have a Bible with you? you have a Bible with you take your Bible let's just run through some verses all right how about Genesis 1 and uh, let's go to Genesis 1 and look at verses 27 through 29 I'm coming back to Ephesians 5 but just read a few verses to you and get your thinking together tonight about marriage. Genesis 1, we'll read beginning in verse 27 where the Bible says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. I say this gently. I know we live in an odd world today and I say it gently. But in God's designed order of creation, there are males and females. And I know we live in a world today where we're teaching a generation that you can change your gender based on your feelings and medication. But ladies and gentlemen, in the sight of God, we are what we are actually by the DNA God designed in us. Uh, the DNA determines, it determines our masculinity or femininity. Science is on the side of the Bible and oddly enough, the Bible's on the side of science. Science says that what makes a man a man is DNA. He has masculine male DNA, and she has female DNA. It's science. Science has always taught that, and science still teaches that. Feelings can change. I, I know feelings can get out of whack, can't they? And you know about feelings, don't you? You have feelings, don't you? And sometimes your feelings change, don't they? Do you ever feel down? Do you ever feel... Do you ever feel up? Do you ever feel uh, excited? You, feelings change. And we live in a world today where there's so many problems, so many broken homes, so many uh, situations that we're dealing with, so much misinformation. Have you ever heard this call the information age? You ever heard that? It's not. It's the misinformation age. Did you all know that? This isn't the information age. There is tons of information, and most of it is incorrect. It's the misinformation age. And so our young people are struggling. But I say to you boys and girls tonight, God designed every one of you to be male or female. That's God's plan for your life. If if you are male by God's design, that's what you are. Embrace it, enjoy it. God designed you to be a man. And if you're a woman by God's design, by your DNA, then embrace it. It's a wonderful thing to be what God made you to be. Male and female made he them. That's verse 27. And look at verse 28. And God did what? Say it out loud. He blessed them. Now, you're aware, aren't you? God blesses marriage. I won't read the verse, but I found a verse in the Bible that you probably know. The Bible says, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. It's a good thing to be married. If you're married tonight, it's a good thing. He that fine, You boys, someday uh, find a wife. And when you find a wife, the Bible says you, you've obtained favor of the Lord. You found a good thing. And guys, there's three and a half billion girls in the world. Surely you can find one. And uh, we're praying for you, all right? So God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Get married and have a family is what he's telling them. That's part of life, and it's a wonderful part of life. Get married and have a family I'm so amazed at how many people don't want children. I don't want any children. I don't want kids mess up my life. Children are a great blessing. They are a great blessing. This family over here has 10, right? Did I get that right? They have 10. God bless them. More than one way to grow a church. Have one or bring one. Amen. If you're not going to bring one, have one. Have two or three. Have four or five. You can build a big church. If every family in the church just have five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten kids, I'm praying for y'all twins and y'all twins over there. And and, uh, might as well just do it right while we're going to do it. Pastor, you'd look good with twin girls. I'm just telling you. Church, put that on your prayer list. That'll be a blessing to them. And uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm getting some major vibes here. The, The offering is going down as I talk. Now, Marriage and, and family is a great thing, isn't it? It's a great thing. Now looking in Genesis 2. Here's a few more. Genesis 2, verses 21 through 25. Genesis 2, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. Don't you find that humorous? If God puts you to sleep. I bet you would sleep. I sometimes put people to sleep myself. So God put him to sleep, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. One evangelist friend of mine said that in the Hebrew, what that means is he was asleep and he woke up and he saw Eve. He had never seen, he had never seen a woman before. He had never seen a female. He had he, he, he just had, you know, he had been around the animals and. And now God designed a wife for him. And he woke up and he looked at her and he said, wow, man. And that's where you get the word woman here in the text. And I don't know if that's true. I don't think it is. But uh, it made me chuckle. She was taken out of man. And here's what verse 24 says. Here's the verse from Ephesians. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. And they shall be one flesh. And be real sacred here, boys and girls. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. You know what that tells us? Marriage relationship is like no other relationship in the world. It's totally unique. It's very unique. It's very special. It's very holy. It's very sacred. It's very godly. Marriage is a wonderful thing. I got a great passage for you in Proverbs. You got your Bible? Go to Proverbs. I love this marriage verse. These are two of my favorite marriage verses, and I love reading them. Proverbs chapter 5. And Solomon is talking to his son and he's talking to his son about being married. And in Proverbs 5 verse 18, he says to his son, just listen, I'm going to read, this is the word of God. Listen, as I read the word of God in Proverbs five eighteen and 19, let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times. And be thou ravished always with her love. Boy, those are two verses to find in the Bible, aren't they? Those verses right there are a little startling. I like to preach on purity at teen camps. And several years ago, there was about 1,000 kids at teen camp at the wilds, and I read these verses one night. I just said, kids, I'm going to read the Bible. Listen while I read the Bible. And I just looked down and read these two verses, 1,000 kids in the auditorium, and you could have heard a pin drop. I looked up, and those teens are like, oh, my word. Did the Bible just say that? Yes, it did, because marriage is a wonderful thing. Here's what he says about marriage in these verses. Solomon says to his son, look, son, marriage is great. He said, rejoice with the wife of your youth. Are you married tonight? You ought to be happy about it. Rejoice about it. Make it a big deal. Say it, and great, that's my wife. That's my That's my man. I'm in love. They ought to be rejoicing. None of this. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. There's the old woman I married. Oh, my word, there's the old man I'm married. None of that, none of that. No, we ought to be happy about being married. Oh, my soul, I'm madly in love. That's the idea. And we ought to be satisfied in our marriage. No guy should ever look at another woman. No woman should ever look at another guy. We Should never allow the garbage of the internet into our lives. I'm to be satisfied. Eyes only for my wife. And I'm to be ravished with her love. Three things he says. He says very simply here, I'm to rejoice I'm gonna be satisfied and I'm gonna be ravished. I like that word. Ravished. If you're not careful, you'll miss it. Ravished. If you're not careful, you'll miss it. Ravished. You just say it and you miss it. Say the word ravished. ravished. See, it doesn't mean anything to you. Ravished. But if you feel it, if you feel it, it'll help you. You know what it is to feel a word, don't you? you got to feel this word to get the full impact of it. Here's how you're supposed to say this word. You come down to your reading, Proverbs 5 and verse 19, and you say, and be thou, here's how it goes, and be thou ravished with her love. That's what it means. See, say, just say it normal. Say it normal, everybody. Say it, everybody. Everybody, say it normal. Say it. Now feel it. All right, I know we're Baptists. We don't feel much. But I want you to feel a little bit tonight, and I want you to get it on there. Ravished, all right? Everybody say it. Give it some feeling. Say it out loud, everybody. Doesn't that change everything? Isn't that a better way to say it? When you get in the word of God, you start reading along, Go be the ravish. If you can roll the R's, I mean, we're in the South, so we probably can't. But if you can roll your R's, and that even has more meaning, doesn't it? Ravish. I mean, spit it out there. This is a great thing to be married. Are y'all picking up what I'm laying down tonight? It's a wonderful thing. God is for marriage. Uh, Have you ever read the Song of Solomon? You ought to read the Song of Solomon periodically. It's a, Three different views there you'll find when you study the Song of Solomon. Some believe it's a picture of Israel and and, and Jehovah God, their relationship. Uh, Many believe that it's a picture of Jesus Christ and his church. In fact, uh, Charles Spurgeon had that view. Uh, A lot of our songwriters used that view when they wrote songs from the book of the Song of Solomon. I think it's the song of the Lily of the Valley. You all know that old hymn? He's the lily of the valley. That comes out of Song of Solomon, Jesus and the church. But the best way to look at the Song of Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, wrote one book to show us, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what a real genuine marriage ought to look like. That's what he's writing about here. It's about marriage. You'll find the word spouse repeated several times. Listen to verse 1 of chapter 1. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. And then verse 2, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. That sounds like marriage, doesn't it? That's marriage. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Uh, You find in uh, verse 2 some beautiful love poetry. Well, in fact, at the end of verse 1, I I love the end of verse 1. In verse 15, they write about each other, this husband and wife, this couple. He says, behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thou hast dove's eye. I don't know what that means, but it sounds cool, doesn't it? Behold, art fair, my beloved. yea, pleasant, our bed is green. He says in verse 1 of chapter 2, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. His wife was from the mountains, the farming, agricultural community. And all through here, he's writing her poetry about about the plants and the trees and the animals and the beautiful place where he lives in the city. He was a city boy and she's a country girl. And he writes all this beautiful country stuff in his poems to her. He's trying to woo her. I love you and I'm for you and I care about you and I'm all in, I'm, I'm all about you. You ever notice a lot of guys get married and they stop that kind of stuff and we shouldn't, we shouldn't. Solomon's reminding us that we shouldn't. I love chapter four. Chapter 4 is my favorite chapter in the book of Song of Solomon. And here's what Solomon says. Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thou hast dove's eyes within thy locks. I always think that's kind of funny. beady the eyes. Um, and then he says, uh, verse 1, he says, Thy hair is as a flock of goats. <laughs> There's a pickup line if I've ever heard one. And uh, thy hair is as a flock of goats. Now, it's actually a beautiful picture. Because in the part of the world where his... His wife, his girl, his spouse was from, was very agriculture, very area of sheep and goats. And, and in the night when the shepherd would leave the hillsides to bring the goats back into the, to the foal for the evening to protect them, they would, those, those goats were, were not like our goats. They had long hair. Those mountain goats in that part of the world have long flowing hair And he got several hundreds of goats coming down out of the mountains. They've been up there eating up on the mountains. Now they're coming down. You glance up there and it looks like flowing wavy hair coming down the mountain and it's all those goats coming down. And he's pointing out that would have been an image she would have known. He's using imagery that she knows and appreciates and likes. Probably many times in her life she stood in the valley and watched those shepherds bringing their goats down. Boy, here comes the flock. And it almost like the whole side of that mountain is beautiful waving black hair. And so he's using an image for in that in that romantic Thou hast goat's hair. (laughs) Okay, maybe not. Um, Thy hair is as a flock of, verse 2, thy teeth are like a flock of sheep that are even shorn. In verse 3, thy lips are like a thread of scarlet. Thy speech is comely. I like verse 4. Thy neck is like the Tower of David, builded for an armory. I'll tell you one thing. That woman had quite a neck, didn't she? What in the world? This is a great chapter. I... I, uh, I like how he says in verse seven, "Thou art all fair, my love. There is no spot in thee, none. None. He said, "I'm so in love with you, nothing wrong with you, baby. That's how we might say, it. "Nothing wrong with you, baby. You're perfect for me." That's what he's saying to her, "You're perfect for me." In verse nine, thou hast ravished all, oh, there's our word. Thou hast ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. Thou hast ravished my heart with one of thine eyes. I thought, that's kind of funny. What happened to the other one? I'm assuming that maybe she was making eyes at him. Maybe she winked at him. See, this is in the Bible. Hollywood has nothing on the Bible. Hollywood wants you to think that a couple shacked up are romantic and having a good time, and that's really where romance is, or a dating couple. That's not true at all. God's plan for romance is inside the marriage. And marriage is a great thing. So how in the world, how in the world can I succeed at marriage? Let's go back to Ephesians and our time will be gone. Go back to Ephesians, just a few things I want to show you tonight and our time will be gone. Uh, consider with me Ephesians 5:31 again, "For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother? and shall be joined unto his wife, and they two shall be one flesh. Now, ladies and gentlemen, think of three words tonight. The first one is the word responsibilities. Are you married? You think you will be someday? Then the Bible's teaching us here, you have divine responsibilities in your marriage. Sir, he starts with me and you as husbands. And here's our responsibilities. pretty simple, actually. You want to succeed in your marriage? There's only two responsibilities he gives a husband. And here they are. It's all you got to do. You got to love and lead. That's all you got to do. You got to love your wife the way Christ loves the church, and you got to lead your wife and lead your home to be everything God wants them to be. That's all a man has to do. That's all. And if he does those two things, he can have a great marriage. That's all. That's it. Just love your wife and lead your wife and home. That's all you got to do. And if you'll do it, you can have a great marriage. How many of you are aware of the fact that many men fail in those two words? We fail to love, and we fail to lead. That's a big one, that leadership thing, isn't it? Some men can't even lead themselves. If I can't lead myself, I'm going to have a hard time leading my wife and my children. I've got to lead myself. Character, discipline, integrity, righteousness, walk with God, and be in the Bible, and have a prayer life, and do what's right. I've got to lead myself. So I can lead my spouse. Here's how he says in Ephesians 5. I told you the other day, you can't preach much in a family revival without parking in Ephesians. And in chapter 5, he says, husbands, love your wives. In verse 25, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Some men may say, well, how much do I have to love my wife? Just this much. Just as much as Christ loved the church. That's all. That's all. You got to love her just that much. Just a little bit. Just as much as Christ loved the church. You almost get the idea in the Bible that there would never be a time, there would never be a time when a man shouldn't love his wife. You get that impression? Is there ever a time when Jesus didn't love me? Never. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's never been a time in the history of your life that Jesus Christ did not love you. In spite of your failure, in spite of your sin, in spite of your tragedy, in spite of your selfishness, in spite of your arrogance, Jesus Christ so loved the world. Never in time to stop loving. That's all I got to do to succeed as a husband is make sure that Bethany Joy knows I love her and then I lead. That's all I got to do. That's all I've got to do. And it's a massive undertaking. You never quite get her done. You got to keep on loving. Keep on loving. Keep on loving, keep on loving. And you gotta lead, you gotta lead, you gotta lead. You got Your kid's not doing well, then you better pick it up because you're the leader. Things not well in your marriage, you better get it, picking it up, better get to work on it because you're the leader. So I don't know, our, we're just, we just have a hard time being faithful to church. All right, daddy, pick it up. You're the leader. Make sure your family's in church. Just make sure. My uncle Ed, uh, my dad has a big family, five brothers, three sisters. And uh, my dad is the only brother that professes to be saved, besides my Uncle Ed. My Uncle Ed got saved in a revival. None of the other brothers have made a profession. And my Uncle Ed went to Vietnam, and he came back from Vietnam, a broken man. And he's been drunk most of the years since he came back from Vietnam. Lives a really pretty messed up life. He's he's divorced, and and ever so often he'll sober up. Every so often, he'll sober up. When he does, he goes to church. When he sobers up, he goes to church. What I always get a kick out of is uh, in his house, when we were kids, in his house, uh, his wife was a, a lady named Betty, my Aunt Betty, and her sister, uh, Ruby, lived with them. And they had three or four kids and, and, and a couple other people that lived with them. And the kids always had a bunch of people hanging around. And some of his drinking buddies were always there. And I remember when he would sober up, he'd uh, he'd go to church. And when he went to church, everybody in the house had to go. Now, I mean, it was a big deal. No, you're, I'm going to church. Get in the car. You are going with me? Everybody in the house, every one of his buddies, all of his drunks, uh, friends, they came to church when my uncle Ed came to church. And. Uh, his wife came, and his his uh, wife's sister came, and all the kids, and all their buddies, and all their friends. He had just when he came to church, it wasn't very often, but when he came, he packed two or three pews, lined them up. The man just he got them into church. Everybody would come, and then uh, we were a country church, and in the country church is one of those things where you know they'd get up and they'd say, "Now anybody got a song? Anybody got a song you want to sing? Anybody can just get up and sing," which sometimes was a very bad way to do it, and uh, and I remember we were there and the pastor got up and we were just kids and Uncle Ed had marched in with the whole two or three rows of people that we didn't know. And and my mother, my mother uh, sings. And so uh, the pastor had actually asked my mom to come sing. And so she went to the piano and somebody played for her and she sat over there and she sang some, you know, old gospel song. And uh, when she started to go back and sit down, Uncle Ed said, Bobby, it's my, my, my mom's name is Barbara. They call her Bobby. Said, Bobby, sang another one. So my mom went back and she sang another one. And she started leaving me go, Bobby, that's good. Sang another one. (laughs) I was getting worried. I was like, how long are we going to do this? I want to go home. Uh, They were going to sing as long as Dave Young preaches, and that's not good. Can I get an amen? And I, I remember that. My Uncle Ed. You know what I got to thinking was... That here's a, here's a man who's far from God, but when he sobered up and decided to go to church, took everybody with him. And you know what, gentlemen, by God's grace and God's help, if a drunk can do that, surely you and I that love the Lord can do it. We ought to have our family in church. And you have family devotions. Well, then you better, you better pick it up. You're the one responsible. You got garbage on the television. You better turn it off. Say, we can't control it. Well, throw it away. That'll help you. <laughs> That's what my dad did with ours. When we were kids, he threw away our TV. I grew up without a TV. It turned out fairly normal. I know the key word is fairly. I understand that, but you could survive without it. Unplug that cable. You'd be happier probably. Get rid of your get rid of your satellite dish. Turn it upside down and and right side up and put a flower plant in it or something. Uh, you knew without that satellite dish. Now, it's not wrong to have TV. You're, you're aware of that, but you know what? It's amazing how much messes we make of our lives when God's called you men to love your wife and lead your home. That's all you got to do. You want to succeed at marriage? You got to love. You got to lead. And then wives, he has a responsibility for you. Wives, he's going to tell you to submit and support. Husbands are to love and lead and wives are to submit and support. Now submission's a hard word for our generation, isn't it? Oh, it's a tough word. But it's a good word. It literally is two words. Submission means under the mission of another. If a marriage is going to be everything it's got to be, a man ought to love his wife and, and work at leading in his marriage and his home, and a wife ought to follow her husband under his mission and support him. That's what she ought to do. Get under his mission and support him. Be behind him, before him. Submission's a great word. It's the opposite of rebellion. You know, rebellion means to lean away if you're doing sign language. Rebellion. You ever seen a rebellious teenager? A rebellious teenager, the teacher at school is getting on to a rebellious teenager. Here's what a rebellious teenager will do. He'll lean away. He leans back. Oh, yeah. You're not telling me what to do. He leans away. That's rebellion. If submission is the opposite of rebellion, it wouldn't be leaning away. It would be leaning toward. I'll get that because it'll be a help to you, ladies. See, submission's not a negative thing. It's a leaning toward the man that God's allowed you to marry. And you know, say, yeah, but you don't know the man I married. No, but he is your man, and you said I do, and you, I, I suppose, meant it. You probably didn't have a shotgun wedding, did you? You chose. You know who Joel Osteen is? I'm a fundamental Baptist about to quote Joel Osteen. You better write this down. This is very rare, all right? Joel Osteen, I heard him one time, I turned on the TV and he was preaching. And Joel Osteen was preaching to his huge congregation about marriage. And here's what he said. It, was, it really caught my attention. Here's what he said. He said, now don't you be so hard on your spouse. He said, because they probably could have done better. <laughs> I thought, well, there you go. There you go. Probably they could have. We probably could have. But here, here's the point tonight. If we're not careful, we come to a place in our marriage where we roll our eyes and sigh and, oh, my word. Husbands, you're always to love your wife and be the leader. And wives, you're to follow your husband and support him, get behind him and encourage him. Lean his way. Lean his way. I don't know how far you take it. Take it as far as you want to. Lean his way as often as you can. Bethany Joy, Bethany Joy uh, loves to bake. And uh, when we go home, she'll, she'll bake cookies. and She bakes things all the time. And uh, I love chocolate chip cookies. Can I get a witness? I love chocolate chip cookies without walnuts. Can I get a bigger witness? How many we like, How many in the building like walnuts in your chocolate chip cookies? Let me see your hand. Raise your hand good night. if you like walnuts. See, y'all need revival. I'm just telling you, y'all need revival. Because that's not a chocolate chip cookie. That's a chocolate chip cookie with walnuts. That's a whole different cookie, ladies and gentlemen. So my wife knows. My wife likes chocolate chip cookies with walnuts in them. But I don't. We've been married 25 years. You want to know something? She has never, that I know of, made a chocolate chip cookie in our home with a walnut in it. She leans my way. Isn't that incredible? She leans my way. And I wish she would make walnuts in it because then I wouldn't eat them and I'd be a little slimmer than what I am. As I'm getting older, something's happening right now. I I always wanted a six pack. I think I'm getting a two liter. But I I like chocolate chip cookies without walnuts. I said that in one church in Ohio. Cleveland Baptist Church, a pretty good sized church. Sunday morning, probably a 1,000 or so. And Sunday night, maybe 600, 700. And I mentioned something about cookies, and I told that story. And the next night I came in, the pastor said, Brother Young, he said, you in trouble tonight. I said, What are you talking about? He said, Go look at the front row. I went down to the front row. I think every lady in the church made us a plate of chocolate chip cookies. We had like 300 different kinds piled up on the front row. There's no way, no way in the world I'm going to eat those cookies. But boy, was I a blessed man. Can I get an amen? Now, here's the point. Look, ladies, I don't know. Gentlemen, how much do you love your wife? Do you show it? Do you show it? Does she know it? Do you show it? Does she know it? I I love my wife too. I love her. But well, what would she say if I ask her? Oh, yeah. Would it be an oh, yeah? would it be, I know he loves me. I mean, I know he does. I know he does. I know he does. Would it be, I know he does? Or would it be, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. Mm-hmm. Would it be that kind? Or would it be like, oh, mm, yeah, he loves me? You got to show it so she knows it. You got you to gotta support him so he's encouraged. It's amazing to be how God designed us, isn't it? He designed typically ladies with a little more emotion than he designs men. Typically. Some men are very emotional, but typically women are more emotional than men. That's the way God designed it. God designed it that way. He designs you ladies with an emotional side to you because you can feel things and and, and sense things. and, 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 And as a lady, it makes you who you are as a lady. As a man, because he called us to be leaders, he made, us, he made us differently than you ladies. He, he made us more task-oriented. We are unifocused. Women and men are so different, it's amazing. Women can think about 10,000 things at one time. And boy, their mind just, my wife can go out with her mom. She'll come home, tell me every word that was said. She can talk to her mom for 20 minutes on the phone, take 30 minutes to tell me about it. I can talk to my wife for 30 minutes and my wife will say, what did she say? I think she said they're fine. That's just, that's how we're different. And then three days later, I'll be like, oh, mom said, and then I remember. We're so different, it's amazing. But you know what, when I love my wife and I show her and she knows it, she's fulfilled. Her needs are met. When she supports me and reverences me, my needs are met. So when I love my wife, she feels secure in the marriage. He loves me and I know he loves me in all his will. When she reverence is me I feel secure it's amazing ladies when a lady says to her husband you know honey you the man it's amazing how that affects a man yeah it does you say honey you the man he's kind of like you know come to think of it I guess I am see how so God designed us we can we can chuckle about it but it's important that we understand we got a responsibility in our marriage you got a God-given responsibility. That's the first word. Here's the second word, and I'll be done in a few moments. The first word is relationship. The second word is relationship. The first one was responsibility. The second word is relationship. A marriage is a relationship of a husband and a wife. It's not some cold, calculated, predetermined deal. All right, I'll marry you and hope we make it. No, it's a relationship. You fall in love. What we, we say you fall in love. Remember when you fell in love? Remember that? Pastor and his wife said they were in high school. High school sweethearts. She couldn't do any better. So she met him and married him. And, and he married her in high school. Beth and I met in college. We were seniors. We met in college. We, we, we were, you know, just coming to the end. We're about done. No relationship. We didn't. And a friend of mine said, there's a girl I want you to meet. If you'll come to the soccer game tonight, I'll introduce her to you. I think she is a girl you ought to get to know. And I said, well, who is it? She said, it'll be a surprise. I said, I'm not coming. Not taking a chance on this one. I'm not coming. I want to know who it is or I'm not coming. And so finally, she said, all right. And she told me her name. I didn't know who that was. But I made a beeline for my residence hall, pulled out last year's yearbook, Looked up in the back, the D's, and found Bethlehem's name and page number. Went over there, looked at her, said junior year photo, and I went to the soccer game. That's where we met. Started falling in love. I'll never forget that night. I looked at her that whole night. My goodness, she had beautiful blue eyes. Oh, my soul. I could dive in those blue eyes and swim for an eternity. That's a good line. You ought to write that down, husbands. That's a good line. If she has brown hair, make sure you change it, all right? Or brown eyes, make sure you change it. I looked at her, oh, my word, she's so beautiful. She's so beautiful. She's so beautiful. She looked at me and thought, what a man. What a man. And We fell in love. We fell in love. That's God's plan, relationship. Why do you get married? Because you develop a relationship. I think I could spend the rest of my life with this, my best friend. He's so cool. He's so sweet. He's so loving. He's so attentive. He's so gentle. And a guy thinks, oh, my word, I could spend the rest of my life with her. She, she, she treats me amazingly. I feel like a man when I'm around her. It's a relationship. You know, you know the key to a happy marriage? Just keep that relationship going. My, my, my father-in-law always said, if you're married, you ought to be best friends. If you're married, you ought to be best friends. My best friend. I got friends that are guys. And they're close. We're close. I'd say I got some best friends that are guys. But my wife, my best, best friend. My best friend. We, we spend time together. Do things together. and Spend money on each other. You ought to, that's relationship. Be best friends. Relationship. Best friend doesn't happen by accident. It takes a lot of time to have a friendship, doesn't it? You ever, you ever had a best friend that you're now strangers with? I have. I, I went to high school with Chris Rogers. Chris and I did everything together. We were buddies. We were best buddies, best friends, Chris and I. We got in trouble together and worked on cars together and played ball together. We, just, we, were, we were just buddies. Best, we went to church together. We were best friends. Well, I haven't lived in Wartburg, Tennessee in, oh goodness, I don't know how long now, 30 years. I haven't, I haven't lived in Wartburg in 30 years. But my mom and dad lived there. And so I went back to see my mom and dad a few weeks ago, a few, a few weeks ago now. And Dad needed to go out to the, to the auto parts store. And I went out and there was a guy in there in a cowboy hat and his sunglasses, they were dark. He'd been outside. They were just, you know, reading glasses, but they were the kind that turn dark when you go outside. And, and here's this guy, and had no hair. He's, you know, no hair sticking out from under that cowboy hat. He's bald. And, and I was standing there just waiting on my daddy. And he looks up and he goes to me, like, come here. And I said out loud, I said, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I said, I don't work here. He goes, I know. Come here, Dave. And I thought, oh. I walked over and he goes, you don't know who I am, do you? I hate it when people do that to me. You don't know who I am, do you? And I'm like, guy, oh, that voice sounds familiar. And he, my dad walked over and he said to my dad, he said, you don't know who I am either, do you? And My dad, you know, my dad, he's kind of looking at him. And after a moment, that voice, I said, oh my goodness, it's Chris Rogers, my old buddy from high school. Perfect stranger. I don't know his wife, don't know his kids, don't know where he lives. We were best friends and now we're a stranger, you know why? Because we didn't work on that friendship. We didn't work on it. We never called, we never talked, we never wrote letters. I'm sure we could pick up where we left off and, and be good buddies again. I enjoyed being around him when I was a kid. You know what happens a lot of marriages? Couple stop working on the relationship. Stop being friends. No time to talk. No time to invest, encourage, be a blessing to one another. Am I making sense tonight? It's relationship. You got to be best friends. You got to be best friends. You got to be best friends. Here's a little advice for you in your relationship: Make sure you turn faults to endearments. How many of you are? How many of you are married? Let me see your hand. How many of you are married? How many of you have a spouse with faults? <laughs> you're in church. Don't you lie to me. Of course your spouse has faults. Even that, you man back there, not even married. His spouse has faults. You have not met her yet. It's the truth, isn't it? Sure it is. But you know what? If we're not careful, we allow the faults to, to become points of separation. Issues. Oh, my word. I, I, I can't believe you're that way. But faults, one of my friends says, that faults in your spouse are arrows pointing to a need that God put you in their life to meet. The fault in their life is just a God-given arrow, and they have a need in their life. That's why there's a fault in their life. They have a need in their life, and you're their best friend, you're their spouse, and God puts you in their life to meet that fault in their life, to meet a need in their life. I like to think of it in this simple, turn your faults into endearments. Don't roll your eyes and sigh and get upset because your spouse has a fault. Fall in love with the fault. So he's so he's grouchy. Well, make it a happy thing. That's my man. That's my grouchy man. I'm in love with my grouchy man. I saw one T-shirt at a Dollywood one. I was at Dollywood over in uh, uh, Sevierville, Tennessee, and. I saw this guy wearing a T-shirt. I took a picture of his little T-shirt. It, it made me chuckle. It said, if you call me grumpy one more time, I'm gonna slap you. <laughs> and I thought, well, I have a feeling somebody's grumpy, I mean, come on. You know, here's the point. Turn your faults into endearments. Your spouse has faults. They're like you. They're not perfect. So don't let that become a negative. I was on a Southwest airline not long ago, and this older couple got on furs. They were pre borders because she was feeble. And she got on with her cane and she went and she sat down and when it was time to deplane, we flew, we landed, we're all trying to get off. And normally folks that have a harder time getting off will wait to the end. And there was a little break. People are trying to get, you know, their luggage out of the overhead bins and everything on the, on the plane. And, and so he got up. I was two people back. He got up and said, come on, honey, come on, let's just get off. She's trying. But he caught her off guard and she wasn't quite ready and she's already feeble and she's trying to get stuff together and find her cane and... And there's a lot of people back here. And so he started feeling pressured and he's a little bit rude. He finally was like, well, fine. He said, just stay on here. I'm getting off and you get off when you can. And he stomped off the plane. I was offended. I was like, can I borrow your cane? When I get off of here, I'll form that to the shape of his head and then I'll bring it back to you. But I was amazed because it didn't bother her at all. Didn't bother her at all. She smiled at us. And she said, oh, that's my man. That's my man. She said, I, I slow him down and he gets impatient with me, but that's my man. Something to that effect. I, I, I'm, I'm probably not quoting her exactly, but I was amazed. Here's a man with a fault whose wife has turned it to an endearment. That's a key to a happy relationship. You got any good friends in your life? <laughs> I got my word, And you know their weaknesses, but you love them anyway? You got a friend in your life, you, they have a weakness, but you, don't you have children that way? Your children have weaknesses, but you don't hate their guts and throw them out in the yard. Those become endearments, don't they? They do, they become endearments. All of our kids are different and their weaknesses are endearments. Now, it doesn't mean we, we don't work on them. It doesn't mean we don't try to correct them, but they're endearments in our life. That's my kid. You know, you ever said this? You know, you just like your mama. You ever said that? My wife will say, "You are just." Like, she says about Jake all the time, "You are just like your daddy. He's such a good kid, <laughs> such a fine young man." See, turn faults into indifference. That's relationship. Are y- y- y'all picking up what I'm laying down tonight? I got to close. Help me out here. Uh, enjoy life together. That's a relationship. Just enjoy life together. Hold hands and walk through life together, and be happily married. Enjoy and pray about it. This is a relationship. Pray together, you couples. Pray together. Make it a part of your life. Work at it. Beth and I have to work at it. I preach this all the time, and we get busy and fail to pray together. It's my fault, but we got to work at this relationship. I got one more word for you. You got a responsibility if you're going to make your marriage a success. You got to have a relationship if you're going to make your marriage a success. And here's a good one. You ready for the last one? I'll close. You ready? It's a good one. It's a good one. It's my favorite. You need romance, you need some romance. Romance is an amazing thing. Romance is what separates a marriage from all other marriages. Don't you believe for one moment Hollywood's lie that romance is found in some shacked up living together relationship. Nothing romantic about that at all, nothing at all. Don't you believe for one moment that it's the dating relationship where you find romance that's found in marriage. And I'll tell you two things about romance, and I'll close. And here's the first one. Romance is a lifestyle, and romance, according to the King James Bible, is a bed. And that's biblically true. It's a lifestyle. Romance is a lifestyle. You go read the Song of Solomon, you'll find out it's a lifestyle. Read the Song of Solomon. And he writes her poetry, and, and he flirts with her, and, and he just he's in love with her. It's a lifestyle. Do you write love letters? you send flirty texts? You should. You should. We do. Our kids don't read our texts, at least not more than once. <laughs> and they're like, oh my word. Can't believe I just saw that. My parents are like, that? Yes, we are. How'd you think you got here? It's romance, a lifestyle. You hold hands. Flirt, that's a lifestyle. You're married, it's okay, flirt with it. I remember a couple I met several years ago, they'd been married 76 years. They were old as the hills. She got married when she was 14, I think he was 15 or 16. Now they're celebrating 76 years, they're old, they're feeble, still live in the same house, 76 years in the same house. Little old tiny farmhouse. All the kids live around them. They had a big family, all their kids live around them, run the farm pastor and I went to visit them, and I just was amazed. 76 years and such a sweetness to their marriage. Even a little flirtatious after 76 years. Hey, baby doll, wink, wink. Yeah, sweetie pie, wink, wink. And he just kept doing it over and over. I was like, what in the world? 76 years and still in love. And I'll never forget this. She, uh, She was on a walker, and she said to the pastor, she said, can I get you a Mountain Dew? He said, oh, sure, sister, so-and-so. So she gets up. She's on her walker, and she's going into the kitchen on her walker. And she had to go by her husband's chair. And when she went by her chair, he kind of smirked at me and the pastor. We're preachers in his living room. He kind of smirked at us, and he reached out and patted her on the back. And all I remember she was like, stop that. And I thought, you have got to be kidding me. 76 years, and he's patting her like that, and she's like, stop that. Wink, 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 wink. And I'm like, what in the world? I like, you know what I want to be just like that. When I become an old man, I want to get on my walker. Come here, baby dog. <laughs> now it's funny, isn't it? We chuckle at that kind of stuff, but you know the truth of the matter is, God's called us to have a Christian marriage, and that's Christianity. Amen. That's Christianity. God wants you to be happily married, and that's romance. When's the last time you had a date? Dating's important. You fell in love because she dressed up and went out with you. Amen. And he dressed up and had manners that you knew not of. Dating's important. It's it's a specialized time to be together. Amen. Dating. Last week, Bethany and I we took a little date, didn't have a long time, but we went to a little coffee shop. Walked through downtown Greer, South Carolina a few minutes. Just a few minutes. Sat in a armchairs in a coffee shop. Little date. It's the two of us. It's important that you date. We try to take a date every week. We can't always do it with our schedule, but we try to. You don't have to have a lot of money. You can go to McDonald's, buy a dollar menu. See, I don't even have money for that. Go walk in the cemetery. beautiful. Yeah. You know, people. My wife loves to read the cemetery tombstones. There's flowers everywhere. <laughs> you can pick a flower. I'm kidding about that. I'm only kidding about that. Nobody will bother you. See, you can take a walk in the park. Are you in love? Are you working on your marriage? Church, God is for your marriage. And in a world that's falling apart, in a world that's making so many mistakes, God's grace and God's help, let's be the exception. God's grace and God's help have a sweet marriage. Hebrews 13:4 says marriage is honorable in all. And the bed is undefiled. Human sexuality in a marriage is not dirty and wicked and evil. It's God's design and God's idea. And it's a good thing. And I'm, I'm going to be very appropriate tonight. But if, if you're married, that ought to be a part of your life. You ought to work on that relationship. You ought to be happily married. Amen. You ought to be madly in love. Three words to give you tonight in our family revival the word responsibility, the word relationship, and the word romance. You boys and girls that are here tonight, be a good time to start praying for your spouse. You ought to pray. Make, get yourself a little prayer list and, and just make a little list. Put it on there and say, God, I, I want a really handsome stallion of a husband like Brother Young. <laughs> or whoever you want to put on there. Or say, Lord, I want a beautiful wife someday. And Help her to really love you and help her to be a really good cook. And, and put that on there. Start praying about it. So what, marriage is a wonderful thing. You young couples, you got children. Don't let your children run your marriage. That's right. Come on. Take time. Take time for each other. Those kids, those kids are going to grow up and leave the house. You want them to. That's what you, you will know if you're successful if you can grow them up and get them out of the house. If you grow them up, and you know, sometimes the comes like, oh, I can't, I can't believe my kids are living, my kids are we're, we're, we're empty nesters, my kids are gone. What are, Beth and I are like, praise God. Woo, get them out of here. She's gone, he's gone. He's, Jacob's got three more years, God bless him. Charity, we got a few more years with charity. We got nine more years with charity. Y'all pray for us, eight more years. And see, we love parenting, it's part of our life, but we're training them to move on, to be adults, to move on and to succeed. And when they're gone, by God's grace and God's help, we're, we're still going to be madly in love, and Amen. it's just going to be the two of us. We'll sell that RV and buy myself a Corvette. Amen. And we're going to show up in revivals, roaring into the parking lot. Now I'm being silly, and you know I'm being silly. But why not? Why not? You young couples, work on your marriage. Amen. Work on your marriage. Pastor doesn't want any more kids, so let him borrow yours once a week so you can go on a date. <laughs> or find a couple here in the church and trade off you young couples or some of you older folks here in the church I know you've done your duty and, but you've got young couples in the church that need you some of you older folks one of your ministries could be you could say hey tell you what I'll watch your kids every other Friday night for two hours so you and your spouse can go out to eat and some of you older folks could have a real blessing in some of the younger marriages in this church you could Say I'm old. I don't have much I can do now. There's all kinds of ways you can serve God. Help the younger couples in the church. Some of you older ladies, you've had a good go of it, and you ought to have some of these young mommies over occasionally and sit down and talk with them about how to how to how to make it work. Let them ask you questions. You say, I don't know how to teach anybody. Just sit down, and have a cup of coffee, and listen. And the the Lord will give you some wisdom. And you say, Oh, here's how I did. But this is what I did about that. And some of you men ought to take some of these young fellows. Take them out for a cup of coffee or take them hunting or take them fishing. And listen and encourage. We ought to be for marriage. And we ought to help one another, encourage one another. Some of you young couples, get around. Have some of these older couples over for a meal. Have them over and say, hey, we want you to come over because you guys seem to have a good marriage. Tell us one or two or three things that you did that made your marriage great. You got a widow lady in the church or a widower in the church? Spend some time with them. The Bible says, doesn't it, that pure religion is to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. So spend some time with them and say, help me, you had a good marriage. Did you have a good, what's something you would never have done again had you known what you know now? Learn, ask, in the church, marriages are under attack. And by God's grace and God's help, let's win.